What are you doing wandering around in your condition? My eyes were inexorably drawn to the necklace adorning the whore's throat. My mother's sapphire and pearl pendant had traveled from New York City to Galveston, across Texas and Indian Territory to the Mississippi River. It was my protection from destitution, the seed money Kendall and I would use to start a new life. Rosamond touched the necklace and smirked. I imagined reaching out and ripping it from her long, vulnerable neck. Rosamond's demeanor changed as soon as she caught sight of the red-headed woman. She reached for me, smelled the sour aroma of urine, and drew back. Her lip curled, but her voice was solicitous, as if speaking to a child or an infirm elder. What happened? She was thrown out of that saloon, the red-headed woman said. I followed her outstretched arm and saw the man I'd followed earlier leaning against the post, smoking a cigar and watching us. Rosamond smiled at the woman. And who are you? Cora Bale. Rosamond's smile turned into a wide, wolfish grin. That certainly clears up my confusion. I th thought I saw Kindle. Despite the shot of moonshine Dunk had given me, my tongue refused to work properly. My words came out in one long slur. Rosamond's grin didn't waver, but I saw a small muscle pulse in her jaw. And now we've missed our train. What's wrong with her? Cora asked. Her monthly courses, excruciating pain. Rosamond switched the flower sack into the hand holding her purse and grasped my elbow with the other. Thank you for your help. Come along, Laura. Cora stepped between us. She said you kidnapped her. Rosamond raised one eyebrow and took a long moment to look Cora Bale up and down, her gaze settling on Cora's heavily freckled hands, white-knuckling her carpet bag. When Rosamond finally looked at Cora's face again, her expression cleared. Nora. My name is Cora. Who are you? Rosamond Barclay. Her sister. Rosamond stepped slightly away from me, and Cora followed. You look like an intelligent woman. Surely you can see my sister isn't in her right mind. I tried to stand steady on shaky legs. I see she has a day's old black eye and a lump on her forehead above it. I also see she's high, most likely on laudanum. You have experience with it? When Cora didn't respond, Rosamond continued. It is the only thing that gives her relief. Unfortunately, it makes her unsure on her feet. She falls regularly. I try to keep her in bed to monitor the amount she takes, but you know how sneaky dopers can be. I left her alone for mere minutes and she snuck away, probably trying to find more opiates. She was looking for a man. Rosamond laughed gaily. Aren't we all? Cora couldn't keep the flush of embarrassment from overtaking her pale complexion. Rosamond's sly expression told me she noticed. Laura was abandoned by her husband. He was quite the rake, a gambler, drunk, and womanizer. I tried to warn her. No. I shook my head, but couldn't dislodge the words I wanted to say from the brick wall in my mind. 
I hit my forehead with my fist and the dull throbbing returned. I rubbed my eyes against my threatening tears. That's not true. She defends him still. Rosamond shook her head. I've tried to make her understand it's a fool's errand to rely on a man to make her happy or provide. A fool's errand? Man can and do leave. And where does that leave the woman? Destitute, at the mercy of family, if she has any, with few options of making a living. Cora's chin rose higher. Rosamond looked at me. Her smile was caring, but her eyes were flinty and cold. Laura is destitute, completely reliant on my goodwill, as well as my bank account. The threat was clear. I glanced toward the end of the street. The prairie yawned into the bleak, featureless distance. Storm clouds hung above.